The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hey everyone, welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Appreciate everyone who's tuning in via Twitch and appreciate everyone who is downloading this as a podcast. Let's not waste any time as I have a very special guest today. He's one of the hardest working people in the industry as he covers baseball for MLB Network. He covers hockey for the NHL Network and he's now part of the NBC Sports team. Please welcome John Morosi to the show. John, how is everything going? Chris, I'm outstanding, my friend. Thanks so much for the invitation today. Really excited to be a part of the NBC Sports team with you and to talk baseball with you. It's hard to believe we're almost to the end of May, uh, almost a third of the way through the season, of course. So there's a yeah. lot of great storylines out there and uh, very honored to be with you here today. It's crazy that we're at like looking everybody's above that quarter pole. And of course, you know, so much baseball has already been played because there hasn't been a chance to have these off days. But uh it's it's got to be fun for you. I have to ask before we get into the baseball one question: Who are my Kraken taking with the fourth pick? That's now that's a great question. So, uh, <laughs> and I appreciate the intro, Chris, to be able to blend the hockey and baseball together. Yeah. And we uh, we chatted uh, before uh, the show began about our our mutual interest in Seattle sports. Of course, I had lived there. Goodness, now it's it's 17 years ago. But oh, wow. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Sure. Uh, I, I covered the Mariners and briefly even the Sonics for one month oh, for I the Seattle them. PI. <laughs> so a lot of great memories of uh, working on that sports staff. And this past year, I was uh, excited to be able to, to cover the Kraken, mostly from afar, but to really watch them sure. closely and to see Matty Beneers and, and make his uh, NHL debut and, and the impact that he made. I think I would say this. The Kraken have to focus still – on the center ice position mm -hmm. and uh, one name to watch in that context, Cutter Goche. If, mm. if Logan Cooley is off the board, I expect he will be. Um, do not be surprised if they really like Cutter Goche from the U S national team development program had a really good year, uh, strong, powerful, physical. He can play the wing, but I also believe he can play center. So Cutter Goche, remember that name. That's an interesting one. I'll keep that in mind. It's kind of interesting that the NBA draft and the NHL draft all kind of have a big three, it seems like. And then, you know, of course, my crack and get the fourth pick. And But I imagine, too, that they can use one of their about eight billion second round picks maybe to move up into that big three. That wouldn't be so bad for me. But I had to I had to ask you about the Kraken as I've gotten awfully excited watching these guys play over their first expansion season it's so great to have hockey in seattle let's talk about baseball though and you're i want to ask you john just your feelings on the state of the sport right now 
we did have, you know, that unfortunate lockout that didn't actually affect any baseball games being played, but did have, you know, I think it changed the tenor of the sport a little bit. What what do you get your feeling? Did the lockout change any interest or did the lack of missed games kind of alleviate that concern? You know, Chris, that's a very good question. And and I had my own thoughts and, and fears even as the season began of how much lingering resentment there might be or, or negativity. I'll be honest, I've been in a lot of ballparks already this season and spoken with a lot of players and and there really hasn't been much negativity that's lingered. And I'm really encouraged by that. I, I think certainly as contentious as the negotiations were, and they certainly were contentious, sure. that once there was an agreement um, put in place, I think it's part of the culture of baseball, Chris, that we have we have a game every day. We have there's there's always the next road trip to take. There's always the next pitching matchup to study for. There doesn't really have uh, there doesn't really exist that much time in the baseball schedule to to pause or or to, to be that upset about things that happen in the offseason. Baseball has very much a a next game mentality. Uh, I think for better or worse, and I think that's that that has certainly been to the better for this case because it's allowed us to to just move past. What transpired in the winter, I've, I've found the players to be incredibly accommodating and, and cordial in our interview requests, and, and there's been no zero issue in that respect. So I, I really applaud the players for how they've handled things sure. and, and management, too. And I think that we've all realized, to me, Chris, how much we all share in, first of all, our passion for baseball, but also our, our obligation to it. And now that there's an agreement, our job is to – move forward and grow the sport. And I certainly feel that way as, as a broadcaster, it's, it's been a huge part of my life. And so for me, it's not just a matter of broadcasting the next game or doing the next show. I always think to myself, how can I help grow the game? How can I help connect with, with someone who might be watching us for the first time and, and tuning into baseball for the first time? How can we make that person feel welcome uh, in this incredibly diverse sport that we have around the country and around the world? So for me, I try to look at it that way, Chris, and, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of the players a lot of the management people around the game have been looking at it the same way this season. Absolutely. And I think, you know, fans looking at that way as well. I mean, this is such a sport that it's, it can be such a, a, a healer, a unifier. It is that sport, you know, people like to complain about the pace of play and stuff like that. Sometimes I think that's the benefit of the sport. The fact that you are sitting around with, like, I watch probably 75% of my games with my 92 year old grandma who lives just oh, down amazing. the street. I love me. that. And we, we just chat about the games and uh, you know, that's, so that would be something that unfortunately the, the only programs my grandma likes to watch are baseball, the news, and they are, you know, to, if to have that sport taken away from her would have been kind of de of a devastating thing. I wish the team that she was watching right now was a little better as a Mariner fan, but unfortunately they've gotten off to a, a lackluster start to say the least, but that's good to hear. It, it is good to hear that there is confidence in the sport going forward and like so much young talent, which we'll get into that young talent in just a second. It is a great time, I think, actually to be a baseball fan, but I do have to ask you about the baseball because everybody's talking about the baseball. There have been a lot of articles that have come out that suggest that there are issues just watching the sport. You can tell that some balls that have ended up at warning tracks have been that normally would be home runs and vice versa, I think, as well. I have to ask you, John, from someone who speaks to a lot of players and stuff like that, how much is the baseball affecting like confidence in pitchers and hitters? You know, Chris, that's a really important question. And certainly when I'm in clubhouses and speaking with players, 
I do often ask them about their experiences this year with the baseball itself because it has been a big topic and there's really nobody more expert on it than the players themselves, both pitchers and hitters. Uh, I've spoken with some pitchers who say that the ball has been inconsistent and we have to back up and acknowledge that these baseballs are handmade. Anything handmade, whether it's, it's, uh, your your grandmother's cooking, my my cooking. It's all it's all subjective and not necessarily uniform from one to the next. Right. And so we we have to understand that that part of it that there is going to be some variance. I think it does seem that right now there may may be a little more variance than in the past in terms of the the firmness of the ball. The stitches though are another thing to watch. And I know you know Saris has done some great work on this as well at the athletic and talking about how with the humidor now being universal, that when, when you remove some of the moisture content from the ball, that the seams will, will as a natural bit of just the baseball settling raise up a little bit. And Chris, it only takes a little bit fractions of an inch fractions of a, of a 16th of an inch for it to make an impact in terms of the way that the pitchers can grip that ball, uh, maybe have a little better spin we, of course, know that there's no more spider tack. We're, we're seeing consistently all the, the pitcher's hand checks after innings. So we understand that that is a dynamic here where some pitchers are missing high. Obviously, the Mets have been in the middle of that conversation a lot, although broadly speaking, we are not seeing an uptick in hit by pitches, which is a good thing. Right. I, I also think that where we are at with weather, it's been a pretty chilly spring in different places. That is one thing to think about. Climate change has its own effect on the baseball and how it travels. 100%. So I, I do think as we, we get to the summer, the, the, the quick answer that, I, that I've been given from people is, yes, the ball is not traveling quite as much as it did last year. However, we should all reserve judgment until we get towards July, August to see if the ball is traveling more right. I, it, in the warmer months, which has typically been the case over the history of the game. I would also say this. And it's one perspective that I think is, is interesting. Tom Verducci, with whom I work at MLB Network, has said in the past that, that perhaps when you consider the way that the, uh, the baseball is behaving, we're seeing the true power hitters still being able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Look at Aaron Judge. He is still able to get the ball out of the ballpark. You have to really earn it to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark now, which some would argue brings us back to the game at its essence. No longer are we seeing the the eighth or ninth place hitters uh, with, with a with a defensive swing and a pop fly to right field, the ball go, is going out of the ballpark. That's just not happening as often. And some would say it shouldn't happen as often, that that should not be normal baseball with how the ball is traveling. So I, I think that it's been consistently inconsistent, consistently not traveling quite as far as it did before. Right. But I'm, I'm cautious, Chris, to make a sweeping generalization on the whole year because sure. we're still at the end of May, and right. and it's entirely possible that by the time we get to the All Star break, um, that that maybe different batches of the baseballs as they're manufactured, different weather could indeed change the way the ball is traveling. Yeah, and I think that at the end of the day, I think all we want to see is hitters and pitchers get their deserved results. Right? You want to see right. if you hit the baseball hard to be rewarded for it. It's why I've actually come around on. The shift, to be completely honest, because of how good these pitchers are and stuff like that. I want to see a hard hit ball hit through the first base, second base hole. I want to see that become a hit. It has become a situation now where 
pitchers are so good and able to place the baseball in such a precise way that there's nothing that a, a ground ball I'm not saying it's super exciting to see singles all of the time, but it is nice to see people get rewarded for what they are doing. I'm glad you brought up the spider tack just a little bit because I talked to some folks about this. Is baseball considering developing any type of an approved legal substance for these pitchers to use? They are, Chris. It's certainly part of the overall conversation. Now, if we want to call it a substance or a, a gripping agent, a, yeah, a gripping rag, to, to keep on the back of the mound, something that is uniform that does not result in an unfair advantage. I, I think even hitters would say, we want the pitcher to know where the ball is going because right. that's, that's their livelihood. That's their yes. safety. It's, it's a matter yeah. of player safety. So I, I do think MLB and the union are both putting a lot of work into it. Uh, as we know, of course, the baseball in Japan is pre-tackified and is, is not rubbed up. I think that's one of the key parts of the process that we're uh, maybe learning about more broadly now is the process of the ball being rubbed up. That When the ball comes out of the box, the, the, the baseball expression is it's a pearl. It's, it's a white sphere. It is, it is almost like a cue ball. And so you have to, on some level, rub it up. And then, of course, now the humidor is part of it as well. And, and again, all balls are not stitched the same way nor are they rubbed up the same way. And, and the ball might behave differently in cold weather or in the summer. I've, I've spoken with some pitchers who say it's just really hard to get a grip on this particular ball in cold weather when it's wet yeah. without the use of, of additional gripping agents like the spider tack, for example. So to me, Chris, it's, it's a very good question. Baseball is working on it because it really, this question exists at the nexus of competitiveness and safety. We want to have a fair playing field and a safe playing field. We sure. don't want hitters to be afraid that as the strike zone inc includes an increasing number of strikes that are called at the top of the zone, if pitchers believe they can either get swinging strikes or called strikes up more often than they, than they did in the past, guess what? They're going to throw the ball up. Yeah. And if they miss up, then the results can be very disastrous with a pitch that hits a batter up high in the, the face area, the neck, um, th those are all concerning areas. And so when you consider where we're at as a game, there are incentives that exist from a competitive standpoint for pitchers to throw up. That's been the zeitgeist for a long time. Sure. And as long as that's the case, it's in everybody's interest to help them control the ball when they throw it up. And to your point, that is something that baseball is working through right now with the union. How do we find a way for pitchers to more safely grip the baseball fairly, yes. not unfairly, but fairly without gaining an unfair advantage and then locate it where they truly intend to throw the ball? Yeah. And of course, that's such a thin line of, you know, creating a something where the pitcher is confident. And I think confidence for pitchers especially is so important for the ability to you know, command the stuff and not worry about creating a, an absolutely catastrophic injury. And also for fantasy purposes, I, I think that for co confidence is an important thing that players want to know that when they're making hard contact with a baseball, that they're going to get results. Pitchers want to know what that when they're making the pitch and repeating the motion that they've done for their entire life, they want to see those just results come about. So, yeah. Yeah. And one, one quick point to add here on this, Chris, just you got me thinking about it. I think we should remember that one of the reasons why command is such a question now and why we are 
wanting to help pitchers get a good grip on the ball is that we are seeing pitchers promoted more quickly than ever. Young right. pitchers, young offensive players, too, being called up. Obviously, they all missed the 2020 season when there were no minor league baseball games. Mm -hmm. And then you think about the general trend toward velocity and showing that you can throw the pitches at that at that spot. The, the knowledge and know-how that comes from playing the game and learning it and advancing it at, at different levels. I have spoken with, with numbers of people in the pro game, Chris, who say players who arrive, both hitters and pitchers, don't quite have that same game know-how that comes from developing and having a long time in the minor leagues. If they're being rushed up to the big leagues because they can throw 100, sure. but don't know exactly how to locate it, we're, we're seeing a proliferation of, of pitchers who are arriving without the normal preparation in terms of their, their innings pitched in the minor leagues. And again, that also results in, in maybe more inconsistent performance where they would be helped by either – more time in the minor leagues or uh, a, a, an approved fair gripping agent to help them get a better grip on the ball instead of young guy wants to impress big arm, maybe a little anxious. That's a recipe for balls that are thrown away and out of the zone from where they are intended. That's a great point. And that kind of segues perfectly into my next question for you, because, you know, this was one of the most hyped rookie classes that I can remember. You've got guys like Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt Jr., Spencer Torkelson, C.J. Abrams, a bunch of incredibly talented young players that were able to come up early and have made an impact. Some of these guys got off to slow starts. Julio Rodriguez had a horrible start and now is one of not only been one of the best rookies in baseball, one of the best hitters in baseball in the month of May. John, you've been covering baseball without without calling you old. You've been call, covering baseball for a considerable. <laughs> oh, I'm old. I'm old, Chris. I'm old. Trust fair, me. That big same. We, we are very close. Is this one of the better young classes that you can remember covering the sport? You know, Chris, it's a great question. It, it is, first of all. And I think it's really interesting the way you framed it because it's, it is an important segue from what we just discussed about uh, how much time players have spent in the minor leagues. When you think about that convergence of factors here, You've got a, a really talented group of players, mm -hmm. but they didn't have a ton of reps at the minor league level. And now they're arriving, at least the offensive players that we're, we're talking about, they're arriving at a time where offense is down, mm -hmm. velocity is up. It's harder to get a base hit than ever before. Yeah. And so they're not exactly set up to succeed. And I think it's important that the teams that have brought players up, I, I would mention both Torkelson with the Tigers Witt, who's batting even as after getting an RBI uh, last night, he's batting 222 at the moment. Abrams, of course, had struggled a bit. Um, Rodriguez struggled early, has improved. Kelnick has already been sent back down. Right. There's a lot of players that have had a tough time. And I think that it's, it's now up to organizations to say, okay, how mentally tough is this player to either stay with their approach and or make some adjustments to that approach, whatever's appropriate for the given player and circumstance, and not have their confidence hurt too much by looking up and seeing a batting average that right now starts with a one. Right. And I think that with Kalnick and the Mariners, there was a point of diminishing returns. Right. Rodriguez was able to figure things out. I had a chance to watch the Mariners in person last week in, in Boston. I thought Rodriguez looked tremendous. He sure. really poised 
hit a home run at Fenway Park in his first game there. He was the youngest Mariner center fielder to play a game at Fenway since the kid himself, Ken Griffey yes. Jr., uh, a few decades ago, which is a pretty cool note. Anytime I can mention Griffey on the podcast, <laughs> I, I want to make sure I do that. Please do. But it, it, I think, Chris, it just speaks to the challenge of young hitters breaking in, and I think it's the commitment on the behalf of, of each individual organization. Now, there's no one-size-fits-all decision. If you have a better option waiting for you in the minor leagues – or, or someone coming back from injury, which basically has been the case for the Mariners with Kyle Lewis coming back, even though he's basically mm-hmm. only a DH at this point in time. Right. Uh, they needed the roster spot. The Tigers don't really have a player that they're going to put in there and take Torkelson's place. And and Torkelson has shown some improved at bats. He's he's gotten better, and he doesn't really have much left to prove in the minor leagues. You're you're learning on the job, and so I think right. to me, Chris, it's a really tough task to ask a player to, to go into an environment like this where run scoring is down and say, listen, the numbers that you see on the scoreboard will be unlike anything that you have ever seen in your life. And I'm right. trusting that you are going to be able to separate that number on the board from what you're learning every day with your coaching staff and in the clubhouse. And that's where I think the ability for a player like a Torkelson or a Wit to still be really good defensively. Obviously Rodriguez is an excellent defender. You need to, to have that defensive part of your game still be sound. That allows you to work through your offensive struggles, which are almost uniform. Look around the game as talented as these players are. You can put Bryson Stott in the same category of Philadelphia, Chris. Sure. There's a lot of players that are really talented, but they've struggled. And I think it's important for us to point out just how challenging it is to break into the major leagues in any year but especially this one because of the run scoring environment. Absolutely. And I do think too, we have been spoiled by the success of Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. And those type of guys, those guys are outliers. Most young hitters really struggle. And then when you add in all of the things you just talked about and how difficult this environment is, they're going to have their ups and downs. It's, it's very encouraging. Like what junior, like you said, a low batting average, but, it's seeing him starting to drive the baseball now is very encouraging. Seeing him to start to run as well. I mean, ultimately, I think these guys are going to be just fine. But you have to be prepared to take better and better with young players. It is just the way that the sport works. It's it's very, very difficult. I did want to ask you, though, we, you know, we just saw Adley Rutschman and Nolan Gorman called up. But a ton of guys got to make the Major League roster to begin the season. More than I can ever remember. I think 13 of my top 100 prospects ended up making Major League roster. Do you think this was a little bit based on the new rules from the collective bargaining agreement? Or do you think this was just kind of more a perfect storm of players that were ready to go for the start of the season? That's a great question, Chris. I I think it was a combination. Um, We obviously have talked a lot in the game about service time in recent years. Uh, perhaps the lockout had something to do with that as well to say, listen, uh, we understand that fans went through a lot this winter. And if these players earn their right to be on the roster, let's have them there. Sure. This is at the end of the day, this is both a competitive enterprise and a business. And I know obviously speaking from a, uh, Michigan perspective, there was a ton of enthusiasm in spring training about both Torkelson and Riley green. And then the young right. pitchers too. This was a key part of the marketing of the team around these young stars. I know certainly Seattle, a very similar case. We've seen George Kirby come up since then, and he's pitched tremendously well. I've been very impressed by his poise too. too. So I think that this this is a young person's game, but we have to remember that often young players will come up, and even if they have immediate success, 
they might struggle for a period of time before they then achieve greater heights. I think, I think with Atlanta, you referenced Acuna. I think Austin Riley is a great example of that he came up right. Tremendous performance right away. Goes back down to the minor leagues after struggling, comes back. He's a much more complete player. This is not a linear process. Very few players are Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. We need to have an understanding in the game that even for the best players, best pitchers that we've seen, they go back down to the minor leagues. I was covering the Tigers, uh, goodness, now 12 years ago. Max Scherzer was sent down to the minor leagues for a start. Max Scherzer, maybe yeah. a Hall of Famer, one of the yeah. best pitchers of his era, was sent down to the minor leagues in what was, I believe, his second or third major league season because he was struggling. This is a hard game. Right. And I think that we have to understand that 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 the, the truly mentally tough prevail. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of that is to understand that to be accepting of failure, to understand how to rely on your teammates, to accept coaching, to uh, to find that harmony because it's hard. This is a hard game to struggle at, Chris, especially when you have high expectations. And so I think this year has been a really interesting case study to see how organizations are putting players in different situations to succeed. And as you referenced, Bobby Witt Jr. He's batting third now, and yeah. that's something where he has earned his way up to the third spot. Torkelson for Detroit's batting lower. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be a situationally dependent scenario and I think with Rutschman obviously he had missed some time with an injury he missed the 2020 season as all minor leaguers did I think it was really good for Adley to come up and it's it's been fun to watch that this new era for the Baltimore Orioles beginning and, and their fans really have been deserving this for a long time oh boy have they ever and they'll have Grayson Rodriguez the best pitching prospect in baseball up I imagine some point over the summer yeah I mean it's sometimes it's just taking a step back to take a couple steps forward and these young players are going to have to struggle unfortunately for people who are playing you know fantasy baseball that's the risk about drafted rookies man is that you are going to take bitter with the better i know i say that phrase too much but i just love it so much the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. 
Catch the Giants face the Reds in Cincinnati on Sunday, May 29th at 1130 Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. John, I looked it up. We're not eligible. It's unfortunate. We could have. That's okay. As, as <laughs> members of the NBC family, we are, uh, we are happy to be having this role and having this conversation right now. Absolutely. So let's talk about those two teams for just a second, John, because I think it's fair to say that both of them are on a little bit of an opposite trend, so to speak. The Reds have, I believe, still the worst record in baseball. Gotten a little bit better because it couldn't have gotten any worse. And the Giants, who just played one of the most exciting baseball games that I've seen on. (laughs) 13-12. How about that? That was a ton of fun to watch. And, of course, Jock Peterson with three home runs. I I joked on Twitter that Jockey Peterson only homers in 15 games a year, but he ends up with 30 anyway. It's just amazing (laughs) how those spurts work. But just kind of talk about. Is the Cincinnati situation, John, as bad as it looks? And is San Francisco a team that could be a contender in 2022? I'll start by saying this about Cincinnati. I I actually don't think it is as bad as it looks. They've been around 500 in the month of May. There are actually a number of good teams in baseball, those who believe they were going to compete this year, who have a worse record than the Reds this month. The Reds have been around 500. So, to me, their their young pitching is is good. You look at someone like a, a Malley, who I think is a really good pitcher as well. They have, I believe, overall reasons to be optimistic about the future. As as tough as April was, they played better, and, and I think it's it's a more competitive and compelling product on the field. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, clearly, but. I do think in general, they've got a really good young catcher in Stevenson. We obviously saw what Jonathan India did last year. There there are some building blocks there where I don't think the pic, the picture there is as dire as it appeared uh, coming out of spring training. So I'm, I'm really curious to see. And if you catch the Reds on the wrong day uh, yeah. when, when one of the young starters is going, um, you can very easily lose and even lose a low-scoring game depending on how things play out. So I think they've got, I think, a couple promising young arms that have really – uh, kept them competitive right now, um, at least around 500 during the month of May. With the Giants, you're right, an entertaining game. Uh, Rodgers obviously struggled out of the bullpen for the Giants uh, last night, to say the very least. So a little concerned about him. Uh, Logan Webb got the start yesterday, five innings. I, I think that they have had to find some different and more creative ways to win ball games. They're they're a very process-oriented team. Sure. Gabe Kapler has them working out really hard on, on the details and the fundamentals of baseball which I think has served them well. But you also have some some age and injuries as part of that group. Of course, Brandon Belt uh, on the injured list now. Uh, Listella has been a godsend for them, batting leadoff as the DH last night. He's, he's had another good game. Yastrzemski is batting up towards the top of the lineup, as you mentioned, Jock Peterson. They're probably going to have to win some games that are higher scoring, certainly not 13-12. to 12, but th- this lineup, I don't think, is quite as complete as it was last year. You've got the retirement of Posey. You have Chris Bryant no longer there. Uh, it- it's not quite the 100-plus win juggernaut that we saw last season. They're going to have to win different ways. But if they get timely home runs and timely offense from the likes of Listella, Yastrzemski, Peterson, at least as long as Belts on the IL. Of course, you saw Brandon Crawford, uh, the veteran shortstop, there's enough there for them to be competitive for a playoff spot. But I also think, Chris, we have to acknowledge 
just how good their competition is oh, yeah. in the National League West. Even a team like Arizona, which sure. has pitched exceptionally well this season, look at the numbers that Zach Gallon has put up and Bumgarner as well and Kelly. That's a tough team to beat. You catch the wrong part of the rotation for Arizona, yeah. and you're in for a really, really difficult series. I think on, on, the, on the flip side there with the Dodgers, they are such a complete team. I saw them play this week in, in Washington, D.C., and just look at the quality of that bats that Freeman's putting out there and bats and Trey Turner – Edwin Rios has emerged for them. They're just, they are a powerhouse. Yeah. And the Padres have stayed right there with the Dodgers, even without Fernando Tatis Jr. So the Giants still a quality team, but if I had to project right now, I think they probably finish this year where they are right now, which is third in the National League West. Yeah, I think they are a team that the added playoff spot is going to be really beneficial for them. And I will say this too, the Giants have a, for the first time in a while, a very good farm system. They can go out and make some moves. And in fact, these two teams, the Reds and uh, Giants, might actually match up for a trade if they wanted to make an improvement to their rotation. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us how we can follow your work and all of that great stuff. Chris, thank you so much for the invitation and the conversation. I hope we keep uh, this, this dialogue going during the course of the year. Yes, sir. Yes, you can find me on Twitter, at John Morosi. Often uh, weekday mornings, uh, you'll see me on MLB Central and MLB Network. And then my writing work appears at NBCSports.com. Thrilled uh, to be contributing there now, be part of the NBC Sports family. And my first story of the year was about Rich Hill and all the incredible work he's doing yes. to raise charitable funds for research into rare genetic diseases uh, through the Mass General Hospital. Tommy Edmond, uh, just an amazing story with the St. Louis Cardinals, really appreciated being able to speak with Tommy about his family background uh, it, it, as we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And then moving forward, DJ LeMayhew, uh, a Michigan native, a great story to tell with the Yankees and Tigers matching up. DJ playing against his home state team. And I'm speaking about his impact at his high school and what he has done to help grow the game there. A, a, a really interesting and important charitable donation that he has made uh, to help grow the game in the state of Michigan. So really honored, Chris, to be part of your team and uh, look forward to being your teammate and continuing this conversation here as the season goes along. Reciprocated, my friend. So that's going to do it. Hope you guys liked what you heard. Stay tuned on Friday as DJ Short and Drew Silva will have their show. They'll try to match the magic of this one. Good luck. You can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And you can follow John at John Morosi. If you liked what you heard please rate the show five stars and make sure you hit the subscribe button until next time have a great week and we'll see you guys soon the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.